When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and time for another musing in the world of aquariums. You know, today I wanted to talk about something that uh, I think is kind of funny, how you develop habits or mindsets over time that sort of permeate everything you do in the aquarium world. I I think it's kind of funny how in our own minds we tend to overthink some aquarium-related stuff. Okay, maybe maybe it's just me, but perhaps you can relate. Uh, Let me give you an example. I recall not too many years ago when I'd work on my aquariums and needed or wanted to do something that would be sort of disruptive to the tank, like moving some rocks, some wood, tearing out plants, um, you know, reconfiguring equipment or something that involved getting my hands in there and really moving stuff around. I literally had to psych myself up to do it. I was always of this mindset that like, don't do that. It'll upset the whole system. I used to feel that the whole idea of keeping an aquarium was to keep it pristine and untouched, like the day it was set up, sort of like a new car, you know, you don't want to get that first scratch on it or whatever. Like I was afraid to do stuff that would stir up the sand or move things around too much. I mean, I felt like this activity could disrupt the system to some point of no return. I was worried it would stress the fishes too much or whatever. As if nature isn't a rather chaotic place, you know, filled with all sorts of natural occurrences for which our fishes need to compensate in some manner. Now, I realize that in nature, a fish can escape pretty far away from a disturbance, but still, a disturbance is a disturbance, right? Yeah, I think so. Now, I realize that digging into a long-established sand bed or, you know, taking out all the filter media or tearing out all of the, you know, uh, biological media or whatever in a highly populated tank of fishes, those are examples of, like, no-fly zones. You don't do those. Stuff you'd be stupid to do. Stuff that can have real negative consequences for our fishes. Disrupting the function of the filtration of your aquarium is always sketchy at best. But stuff like moving rocks or netting out some fishes temporarily while you do some disruptive cleanings or whatever, that would stress me out more than the fishes I'd be so worried about. And in decades of working on tanks, I honestly think I could count the number of fishes lost during such heavy-duty work you know, in their tanks on the fingers of one hand. I mean, I can't actually recall any incidents that I can, you know, remember losing fishes. I mean, for a lot of fishes, it's just not as big a deal as I seem to have made it over the years, really. I'm not sure where I got this from. I really don't. But sure, moving around, you know, fry or newly settled out marine fish larvae or disrupting fishes that are tending to their brood is an obvious no-no. I mean, but really moving them around periodically is not such a big deal. Breeders and people with 50 tank fish rooms know this intimately. It's just part of the game and fishes tend to just do fine. I have no idea where this mindset the perception of disruption equals catastrophe came from in my life, as I mentioned just a second ago, but it permeated me for many, many years. Did, you know, it's funny, recently I was in the, in the local fish store and some kid was trying to convince his dad to buy a red-tailed shark, I think it was, and right then and there, and the dad was making the case that, oh, you know, we still have to go to, you know, the food store or whatever, and the kid looked at his dad and he said in this cute little tone, he said, dad, fishes don't break so easily. And I was like, brilliant. It's like perfect even. I couldn't have phrased it any better. The little guy was spot on. Let's be honest. I think that we as hobbyists tend to get a bit nervous about 
playing with our fishes sometimes. And we're also nervous about new tanks in particular. I think that we also, you know, use to tend, you know, use the, the, the technology and equipment that we have as an infrastructure so that it's like a hedge against some sort of disaster that we feel is inevitably lurking out there. It's another topic for another time, but I think it, it dovetails with this. Like, we tend to collectively worry about things. You hear about the heater failures and stuff, and those are very real things that can go wrong. But I sometimes wonder if we worry too much about stuff. Um, maybe that's because I've gotten a little more relaxed in decades and decades of doing this, and maybe I'm not a very good aquarist. I don't know, but I've, I think I've had pretty successful aquariums for many years, and I've done some pretty crazy things, still had success. And um, I think it's come because I've gained some confidence over this. I think that we as hobbyists tend to get a bit, you know, nervous for good reasons. We're dealing with living organisms and we want to be responsible. It's all for the right reasons. Yet I can't help but think that a well-thought-out aquarium, which embraces things like biological stability and common-sense aquarium husbandry practices, can sort of create a natural line of defense that will provide protection and, you know, foster some resiliency in our fishes when we do stuff like this. There's other things we do in the hobby which, whether we know it or not, foster this resiliency. Like community tanks, it's 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 never out of our collective, you know, psyche in the hobby that community tanks are fun and interesting. So we use very comprehensive approaches to assure that the broadest variety of life has the greatest possibility of success. And I can't argue with that, really. We do it with reef tanks and planted tanks, especially. I mean, if you're going to keep a huge array of, of plants from different parts of a river or a stream environment, then using multi-level, you know, CO2 systems, adding dosing regimens playing with automatic top-off and high-intensity lighting. All these things have their place. They're important components of that activity. And it's sort of an example of using the broadest brush to cover the most canvas. Um, We cover all the possible scenarios to take care of our animals. Technologically complex systems and these approaches seem to have become a necessity in some quarters. We've relied on them for so many aspects of fish life support. It's almost like we've developed a sort of dependency on them, right? Well, maybe not. And that might be, again, another issue for another time. But Coming from the reef world to the freshwater world, I've seen this sort of dependency and it's kind of weird. But the reality is that amazing work is done every day by people like killifish breeders, beta fanciers, and other hobbyists who use literally bare bowls, plastic shoeboxes, and glass jars to keep fishes and move them around. You know, they perform these frequent large water exchanges and they're often moving fishes all over the place. And they rarely lose fishes maintained in this decidedly simplistic fashion. It's hardly the pinnacle of high tech, but it's worked well for generations. Why? Well, it's easy. It's about skill. It's about faith in our abilities, understanding the way fishes react. It's about confidence. The confidence that goes from realization that our fishes and our aquatic organisms are not always as delicate as we tend to think they are. In fact, they're remarkable, tough, adaptable, and responsive to what we do. Fishes are some of nature's most adaptable and successful organisms. I mean, they've been around for hundreds of millions of years, right? There's a reason for that. They're just not so fragile for the most part. Now, sure, serious environmental disruptions and changes always carry risk. Rapid changes to an environment can kill or stress fishes. Absolutely, there's some things you can't escape. However, the daily or weekly activities of maintenance or the tweaking of our aquariums, you know, periodically, those things aren't as detrimental to them as we might have harbored in our imaginations. Yes, you can stress out fishes for periods of time, but I I can't remember how many times I've, I've, you know, you know, move stuff and really messed up a tank and for whatever reason decided to stick to my regular schedule, drop some food in 15 minutes after I filled it back up, the fish ate like nothing happened. Um, They bounce back. 
you know, again, there are delicate marine fishes. I, I recall literally uh, in, in my years in the marine hobby livestock trade, I remember receiving a shipment of a, an angelfish, a very rare angel that was about $20,000 US dollars in value. And it was shipped from the collector in Hawaii. So one of a kind fish in a box that was, you know, uh, like about, I don't know, 30 inches square. This thing must have held, this bag must have held five gallons of water for this one fish. Well, it's a $20,000 fish. And we were just afraid, you know, opened it in the dark. And this fish was eating, literally eating brine shrimp in like two minutes after getting out of the bag. You know, fishes have a way. They adapt. So next time you want to move a few rocks, pull up a few plants, maybe exchange some botanicals, move a filter intake, clean something, you know, and you get a little anxious, just remember the words of wisdom from that eight-year-old in the local fish store. Fishes don't break so easily. Remember those words. They might just come in handy sometime. So stay relaxed, stay strong, stay bold, stay confident, stay diligent, of course, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Looking forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.